Will you pray with me? O God, our refuge and strength, as we open your holy word this morning, we pray that you would speak to us, that by your spirit illumine our hearts and our minds, that we might hear your word to us today, and in our hearing, equip us to obey. These prayers we make in the name of Jesus the Christ, the word made flesh. Amen. The first scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 and 15 through 17. I invite you now to listen for God's word to you. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And our psalm for this morning is Psalm 46. The psalms are notoriously difficult to date in terms of their original context because they don't lie in a narrative framework. So there's always some guesswork involved whenever we try to locate a psalm in history. It seems that Psalm 46 likely originated in Jerusalem during a time where there was a lot of threat of war from foreign powers. As you read this psalm, you'll hear lots of warfare imagery. And for a long time within Jerusalem, there existed the conviction that since the temple was located in the city and God was located in the temple, that the city itself could not be conquered by foreign powers. You'll see some degree of that assurance within this psalm as well. Of course, eventually the Babylonians did conquer Jerusalem, which initiated the biggest theological crisis in the history of our faith, but that's a story for another time. This psalm seems to date back perhaps to the 6th or 7th century B.C. So with that background in mind, I invite you now to listen once again for the word of God. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change Though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in an uproar. The kingdoms totter. 
he utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he has brought upon the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As we've seen throughout this summer series on the Psalms, the book of Psalms is a delight for the mind and a feast for the imagination because of all of the rich images that it employs. The Hebrew language is wonderful because it is a language of images. They say that a single, word, a single image can say a thousand words, right? But sometimes a single Hebrew word can paint an entire image, take a screenshot or photo of the world. Our psalm today begins with a series of noisy and chaotic images throughout the first nine verses. The mountains shake tumultuously, waters roar and foam, the nations are in uproar, kingdoms totter, bows break, spears shatter, shields burn. These are loud and upsetting images which convey turmoil, war, and danger. These are images of confusion, conflict, and chaos. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, we get the best image of all in verse 10. Be still, comes the sudden command. Be still and know that I am God. The command to be still and the sudden shift in voice from third person to first person is an abrupt interruption to the steady pattern of noisy madness that precedes it. Be still and know that I am God. The Hebrew verb translated be still conjures the particular image of a hand going limp. The verb means to let go, to rest. It has a sense of releasing tension, the tension from all the clamor and commotion and chaos that we bear over the course of a lifetime. We might paraphrase this verse to read, release your grip, let your hands go limp, and remember that God is God. This psalm bid the people to let go of their anxiety about the war and danger outside the city walls and enter into the practice of stillness in the presence of their God who dwelled within the city walls, within the temple, within and among them. In the midst of the noise and chaos of our busy lives, this psalm still cuts through the uproar, uproar and calls us to the practice of stillness. For Christians, stillness is an inner state of being in which we find ourselves attentive to the presence of God. To be still is simply to be attuned to God's presence. Now, at this, mo- at this point, it might seem like this is shaping up to be a nice, easy, feel-good sermon, right? But we should all spend time in silence and pay attention to God. Our lives are too busy, and we should slow down from time to time. 
Feeling stressed? Take some time for yourself and recharge. Well, these are all very good lessons in and of themselves. And if you've been a churchgoer for any length of time, you've probably heard them before. But the truth is that most of us struggle to practice stillness. And it's not just because we're too busy to slow down and create time and space in our demanding lives. Most of us have more time in our days than we realize. Just check your phone's screen time report if you don't believe me. Mine comes out Sunday mornings, actually, so you may have just gotten it. The deeper reason that we don't more readily practice stillness is that it requires a certain degree of vulnerability that isn't always comfortable for us. And so we practice busyness rather than stillness in order to avoid the tasks that come with the practice of stillness. You see, to enter into stillness, we must let go of the cares and concerns that plague us. Here's where the image of the hand going limp comes into play. When we relax our grip, our hands let go of whatever they're holding. So when we seek to enter into the presence of God, we are invited, summoned, even challenged, to release the anxieties of our lives into the security of the knowledge that God is God. That's the spiritual practice of stillness in a nutshell. But the thing is that releasing our grip is not easy to do. My son James is at that phase where he grabs onto anything he can reach. And a few times a day, he'll get a nice fistful of my wife Sunel's hair. Oh, I try to come to her rescue and pry his little hand open, but he's got a strong grip already. And many of us have a pretty strong grip. We clutch things with a lot of conviction. Releasing our grip isn't easy to do because we tend to hold on to a lot of things. And we often hold on to them much longer than we should. And if we're going to let go of them, we must first confront them and be attentive to them. Why are we holding on so tightly? And this is where the practice of stillness becomes challenging because confronting the things in our grip isn't always pleasant or fun. Now, the biblical idea of the practice of stillness has some similarities with the general mindfulness and meditation techniques that are popular today. Christians can learn many useful techniques for prayer from the mindfulness gurus that are gaining quite a following. The Headspace app, for instance, offers guided meditations and promises stress relief, peace of mind, and better sleep and focus. The apps Calm, Budify, Inscape, I Breathe, Oak, Will, Simple Habit, Smiling Mind, and others offer much the same. Still, though, I would suggest that the biblical image of letting our hand go limp is a more difficult task than the trendy practice of mindfulness, and for this reason. Mindfulness meditation doesn't require much scrutiny of oneself. In mindfulness meditation, you're supposed to simply notice the thoughts that come into your mind and let them float by like clouds across the sky. But Christian prayer is sometimes a bit more probing than that. It requires a deeper reflection on the source of the thoughts that are floating through our minds. Mindfulness may require you to spend time with yourself, but 
Prayer ushers you into the presence of another, the God with whom we're called to relationship. To enter into the presence of God is to connect with the one who heals, to connect with the one who redeems, to connect with the one making all things new. It requires us to let go of the burdens that we carry. It requires us to let our hands go limp. Sometimes we find ourselves ruminating on a conversation that didn't go well, and we replay it again and again in our minds, imagining how it could have gone differently, regretting, perhaps, what we said or didn't say. We read more than we should into people's words or tone, stressing about what might have been implied or insinuated, and to let go, we have to admit the conversation unfolded the way it did. Sometimes we get stuck in a cycle of anxiety and spin around in constant worry about our health or our finances or our business or something else that lies in the uncertain and unknown future. We have so much to do, but our anxiety paralyzes us into procrastination, which leaves even more to do, which makes us all the more anxious. To let go, we have to admit that our anxiety is not increasing our productivity. Sometimes we nurse a grudge long after it should have died off and become a thing of the past. Someone who let us down long ago still torments us whenever we experience something that can be attributed back to the original wrong. Our anger flares up now and again, fresh and wild as ever. And to let go, we must admit that life isn't always fair, and sometimes people don't apologize as they should. What is something that you might be asked to let go of as you enter into the presence of God? What is something in your life that you're clinging to? Something that needs to fall out of your hand as you release your grip and surrender to God's presence? What do you need to let go of today? Of course, some things are easier to let go of than others. Some things are admittedly petty, right? If we're honest with ourselves, some things are a matter of pride or jealousy or damaged ego. And so letting go means essentially admitting to ourselves that we're called to a higher and better way of being in relationship with each other. But other things we carry with us are deeper and more complicated. And letting go is not simply a matter of exercising willpower. Some of the things we hold on to have a grip on us And to think we can just let go of them would be to trivialize them or minimize their severity and would just set us up for disappointment. We may need to undertake a long process of healing and perhaps acquire professional support to guide us along the way. But whatever it is that you might be carrying today in the grip of your mind's hand, whatever anxieties you might have and however complicated they may be, Entering into the stillness of God's presence begins with letting go of one of our most precious desires, and that is the desire for the past to be different than it is. So much of what we cling to with an iron grip comes from the elusive wish that the past would change, when in fact we all know that the only thing we can change is the posture with which we venture into the future. The first step of letting go is admitting to ourselves the reality of the past. 
There's a church father named Evagrius Ponticus who wrote, Cut the desire for many things out of your heart and so prevent your mind from being dispersed and your stillness lost. The desire to change the past scatters our minds and makes it difficult to sit in the presence of our God who longs to take our burdens from us. As Christian people, we do not believe that the past necessarily determines the future. We are not nihilists who believe that life is meaningless. We are not determinists who believe that everything is inevitable. We are not cynics void of hope. No, as Christian people, we believe that God is active in the world. We believe God is never done with us. We believe that God's spirit is always ready to bring transformation which sometimes comes suddenly and dramatically, and other times comes slowly, but surely. God's hands are larger and stronger than yours, so why not hand your burdens to God? Let your hands go limp and surrender to God the past that you cannot control. Empty yourself in order to experience the fullness of God's presence. To let your hands go limp is to remember that the world is held in place by larger hands, hands much stronger than our own, hands that do not grow stiff and weary with age, hands that hold us gently, like a mother holding her child to her chest, like a father lifting us up in the air with great joy. That children's song has it right, that God has the whole world in God's hands. There's an ancient Christian tradition of reading the Psalms not only as our prayers to God, but also as Christ's prayers for the church. And Psalm 46 is a good example of a psalm that can be read through the lens of Christ's experience. On the cross, our Lord embodied the heart of Psalm 46 most profoundly. On the cross, the earth changed and the waters roared and foamed. On the cross, the nations were in uproar and kingdoms tottered. And yet on the cross... Jesus stretched out his arms and allowed his hands to go limp for us, releasing to God the enormous burden of our sin and our brokenness and our shame, and entrusting himself into the presence of God as he uttered, Into your hands I commend my spirit. The image of the hand going limp is a tremendous resource for our imaginations when we think about what it means to pray, to enter prayerfully into God's presence, to release our burdens and meditate on God's deep love for us, shown most vividly in Christ's limp hands stretched across the cross. So I want to encourage you this week to enter into this practice of stillness. Set aside 10 minutes in a quiet, comfortable place and consider what God might be asking you to let go of in order to find that peace which passes all understanding in the safe place that is the presence of God. In the spirit of this psalm, I invite you to be empty and recognize God. And in so doing, may you experience the fullness of God's presence in such a way that convicts you that the past is behind you and God's transformation lies before you. Alleluia and thanks be to God. 
Amen.